Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to be reading some passages from Proverbs chapter 11, uh, verses 1, 3, 24, 25, and 30. So please read with me. The Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise save lives. Thank you, Mark. You all may be seated. This morning we have a guest speaker, um, which isn't super doesn't happen super often for Loon Mountain Ministry, but uh, this morning I'll, I'll call him my uncle. I'm going to claim him as my own, but he's actually my wife's uncle um, who uh, actually, his name's Scott, and uh, he and his wife Kathy um, are, are from Connecticut. They came up for the weekend and are blessing us this weekend. Um, and uh, Scott and Kathy have been in ministry for, I think, 47 years together, which is uh simply amazing and a testament to God and uh, his grace on their lives. And uh, Scott and Kathy also uh, serve as mentors uh, to my wife and I. And so they've been a huge encouragement and blessing to us. And I'm sure they're going to be a blessing to you all this morning as well. So Scott, why don't you come on up? What a joy to be in the world's greatest cathedral. I have never preached in a situation more beautiful than this. And by the way, I started in ministry when I was five. So that's, that's why I have those 47 years. Hey, I like to do a, an experiment and I need everybody to help me. Very simple, just follow the instructions. Close your eyes right now. And on the count of three, I want you to point to north. One, two, three, point. All right, open your eyes, keep your hands up. Look around. Most of you have it. I have a compass with me. You can put your hands down. You are, you nailed it. That is north. That's amazing. Most of you knew that. I've, I've done that many times and just have chaos all over the place. But uh, <clears throat> it's really important to uh, find true north. That's a, a metaphorical expression that we use just as finding north is important when you're walking through these woods, uh, finding true north metaphorically means you need to know the right path to walk in life. You know, it's real easy to get lost in life. Um, there's a lot of people that are lost right now. A lot of people do not know the direction of their life. They don't know why they're here, why they were born. They don't have any mission. And they're wandering through life. So God gave us the Proverbs. And this week we're in Proverbs chapter 11. Just to point a few things out, a few directions for life from this proverb. The, the promise of God is this, though. If you follow his true north, your life will be blessed. 
And if you say, you know what, I don't need God's direction, I'm going to just do it my own way, you're going to walk in the wrong direction, and every direction away from God leads to a dead end. Obviously, my prayer for you today is you'd have the wisdom to follow God's true north and follow the, the pathway that he has given for us. So we only have a few moments together. Let's just dive into it. There's many in this chapter. I'm just going to point out three, three directions that God gives for our life. The first direction is found in verses 1 and 3, and that is become a person of integrity. The Lord, the Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by duplicity. In the ancient world, you'd buy and sell through scales. You'd have a scale and you would have the opportunity to buy something and you'd put a weight on this side. Or if you were selling something, you'd put a weight on this side. And there were a few guys that were not integrity people and they'd have different weights. So if they were buying something, they would put uh, the, the light weight on so that you get a lot of produce. They were selling something, they'd put a, a heavy weight on. I'm sorry, I think I got that reversed. But uh, anyway, I'm not dishonest. I have the same scale in both pockets. <laughs> uh, it's important, though, that God gives us his perspective on those people that cheat and are dishonest and go through life and take shortcuts and con people and have tricks that they play. The word here is God abhors them. He despises them. He is not fond of people that cheat. And uh, it should come as no uh, surprise to us that our culture does not value this as high as God does. The English word integrity, which is used here, comes from the Latin integer, which means whole. Which means you're a whole person. You're a whole person if you're making a transaction by yourself. You're a whole person. In all these situations, you're always telling the truth. You're always following a pathway of integrity. You are a person that does not abandon it when the situation it could favor you. You're a person of your word. That's what we should aim for. That's a pathway north. That's what God calls us to do in life. People of integrity keep their promises. They fulfill their obligations. They maintain their honor even when it's costly to do so. There was a, a tennis tournament at Madison Square Gardens quite a few years ago. And in the semifinals, there were two contestants there. One was Vitas Gerolaitis, the other was Elliot Tetscher. And they met in the semifinals, and it was a brutal match. I mean, it was just point after point for each guy. They both won a set. And in the third and defining set, it went to the eighth game to decide. And they were just battling each other as they were playing this. And uh, Vita Scarolitis hit a shot. It hit the, the net and just went over. Now, you know that when that happens, that's going to be a winner. But Telcher raced up from the back. And he dove and he hit the ball and just lofted over Vita Scarolitis's head. And Scarolitis was surprised. And he ran back and he hit it, but he didn't have the right angle, so he pushed it wide. Apparently, Telcher bought off match point. But then there was this moment of silence. And Telcher put his head down, 
And he walked over to the referee and he said, my racket touched the net. He won the point. Now, the umpire didn't see that. No one in the stadium saw that. There was lots of money on the line. But Telcher, because he was a man of integrity, when your racket touches the net, that's a violation. And he was a gentleman. He was a man of integrity. And I ask you, who won that match? Obviously, Garolitis won the prize and everything, but I'm telling you, Elliot Tetcher is a man of integrity. That's what we need to become. We need to become people that when we say something, we mean it, we follow through, we are honest people, we tell the truth, we value that integrity in our lives. Our second direction is become a person of radical generosity. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. What a contrast. One man sees himself as a river, just passing along resources as they come to others. The other is a reservoir who says, oh man, I got the water now, I'm going to hold it. And doesn't give up. Does it share? It's interesting that the person that's the reservoir will be the person blessed. I'm sorry, the river and the person that's the reservoir will come to poverty. What a huge transversal of the American culture, which says get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. We need to be people that are radically generous with our possessions, with our time, with our money. When God gives us, when God supplies us, we realize that we're simply stewards. We're simply passing along these resources to other people. True North is not a river, is a river, not a reservoir. We need to be a conduit of what God has given to us and use it to bless other people. Someone said this. I'm not exactly sure who said this. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. If you want true north in your life, be a river. Give yourself, your energy, your time, your money to others. My wife and I, many years ago, made a commitment that we would try to be a river with our lives. And we do this with hospitality. We have many people in our homes. And uh, one of the, the most memorable was uh, many years ago, we had some Yukon students in, and they're from China. And uh, they came in to do graduate work at the branch, uh, a side of, in, in, in Stanford. And when they come over to our house, we have a, a pretty simple process. We just do a little crowd breaker where we ask them to share their story and then we listen. And uh, that particular night, my wife uh, had the crowd breaker and she said to these students who had just been in the United States for three weeks, what has surprised you most about being in the United States for three weeks? And there was a young man, his name was Greeson. He was actually recruited to be a Chinese spy, but turned it down. And, uh, but he said, my biggest surprise is that after three weeks of being in the United States, I'm in the home of an American. And that was the beginning of a relationship with Greeson that went on 
for two years and we were able to share the gospel with him and do special things with him. Uh, but that happened because we opened our dinner table to folks. And I'm telling you, if the church wants to grow, you have to use your dinner table. You have to use your dinner table and invite people in. My wife and I have a very simple process. We do that crowd breaker. We had some folks in on July 4th. The crowd breaker that night, you could use this, is called a game called Liar. You say, what in the world is that? Well, you tell three truths about yourself and one lie, and then you guess which is the lie. And people love playing that game. And then before we have the meal, we hold hands. We do that so nobody eats while we're praying. And... Uh, <laughs> We hold our hands, and at the end of that prayer for the meal, guess what we say? We say to every person at the table, I love you, and you, and you, and you. And then uh, during the evening, we have a, a sharing question that we have people share. Do you realize that when you listen to people, you're loving people? Nobody listens every, anymore. Everybody's just shouting out in cap letters and everything like that. When you listen, you're loving. And we listen to people share. And then when we end the evening, we pray a blessing on all of our guests. That's so simple, right? Anybody can do that. If you want to find true north in your life, be radically generous. Give up yourself, give up your resources, give your food. And influence people for the kingdom of God. Let's go to that third one. The third direction is become a person with an eternal mission. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, whenever you see that word righteousness there, that means a right relationship. That's the best way to translate righteousness. A righteous person is a person who has a right relationship, first of all, with God. They have a relationship with the living God. And it doesn't mean that this person has never done anything wrong. There, there are no people like that. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glory. But a righteous person realizes that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, and when he was on that cross, stretched out, he took all of my sin, all of my mess-ups, all of my mistakes. He took that on himself. He died in my place. And not only that, but because he lived a perfect life, he allows me, gives to me his perfection. And so it's a double swap. I give him my sin. He gives me his righteousness. And therefore, I have a relationship with the living God. And to show that this was true, he rose from the grave on the third day. Jesus is alive. And he promises you, that if you partake of this righteousness in your own life, if you enter into that relationship, you will become a tree of life for others. Man, that's what we want. We want to be a tree of life. And it all starts with that relationship with Jesus. And Jesus himself said, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness are going to be blessed. That's a desire within us to, to want to be in a relationship with Christ. We took a bike ride on Friday. It was, it was awesome. It was long. <laughs> we did the Franconian uh, Notch Pass, and we went up the 
nine miles and then came back and on the way we stopped at this place called the old mountain the old man of the mountain and uh the old man of the mountain has fallen apart a little bit i i think in 2003 some stones fell out but nathaniel hawthorne wrote a story about that and it was called the stone faced man and it's all about a man named ernest who would go and look at that mountain, look at that face. And after a period of time, guess what happened? He took on the, the characteristics of the man of the mountain. And the longer you stare and you spend time with Jesus, guess who you're going to become like? You're going to become like him. So we're going to hunger and we're going to thirst for righteousness by staring at the face of Jesus and spending time with him every day. And then we're going to join him on his mission. What's his mission? His mission is to win souls. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And then he has told us to go, even as Chris told us today, we're going to go with the message to the world and say, you could be reconciled with God. You could have peace with God. Your soul can be saved. And that's our second mission. The first is to pursue righteousness. The second is to join God on his mission of reconciling the world. Let me end with this story. And you know, there are a few sermons that have impacted gener generations. And one of them took place about 22 years ago. His name was John Piper. He was preaching at the Memphis Passion Conference. 40,000 students in Memphis. And, uh, he preached a sermon that literally put him on the map and uh, transformed that generation. And it, it was a message about what it takes to make a difference in the world. What do you need to become? What do you need to have to make a difference in the world? He said, well, the world says, you know what, get a lot of money or get a career or get a fancy house or drive a fancy car, or have an high IQ. Lots of things can be put in that blank of what does it take to influence the world. But Piper said this. He said, you don't need that. What you need to have if you're going to impact the world is you need to have a mission that's bigger than you. A glorious mission that consumes you and sets you on fire. And then he told this story. He said there were two ladies from his church, Ruby Ellison and a, a gal named Edwards. And they were serving in Cameroon. They were in their 80s. And the reason they were in Cameroon was to share the gospel with people and attend to the physical needs. Mrs. Edwards was a doctor. And 20 years past the time that everybody retired, these ladies decided to spend their life serving other people and giving their lives for them. And one day they were driving their Jeep on a mountain and the brakes went out in that Jeep. And that Jeep went over a cliff and both those ladies died instantly. And Piper said to his church, what a tragedy. Wasn't that a tragedy? And then he stopped. He goes, no way. That wasn't a tragedy. These ladies were investing their life in something bigger than them, something eternal. And the moment they died, they're standing in front of Jesus. 
And they're saying, Jesus, here are all the people that we've influenced for your kingdom. He said, I'll read you what the tragedy is. And then he got out Reader's Digest. And he read <coughs> this passage. Bob and Penny took an early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, playing softball and collecting seashells. That is the tragedy. The tragedy is the American dream. The American dream of having a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting seashells and going on on your boat and playing softball twice a week. That's the tragedy. Because one day you're going to stand before God and what are you going to say? He's going to say, what would you do with your life? Oh Lord, look at my softball swing. Boom, I got that thing down. Ooh, impressive. And Lord, here are my seashells. Hopefully nobody's a seashell collector here. I don't want any letters, okay? <laughs> but you get the point. Don't waste your life. We have been sent here for a mission bigger than us. It's to have a relationship with the living God. And then to share with people, they can have a relationship with the living God. Spend your life on those missions. And you will not waste your life. But if you pursue the American dream, I'm warning you right now, if you pursue that dream, you have a great chance of wasting the years of your life. That's True North. You know what True North is from God's perspective? Be a person of integrity. Be a person that is radically generous with all of your resources and invest your life in an eternal mission. Lord, I pray your blessing on these people. Thank you for the directions that you've given to us. Lord, help us to be courageous people and follow you and follow your direction of true north. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.